There we go. We're yep. live, Rianne. Live. live from the office. You're supposed to say something then. There you go. The boot office. The boot. Well, it's, it's the studio, isn't it? Because last time we spoke, we were in the sculpture park, if you remember. Mm-hmm. That glorious morning back in, what, about three or four weeks ago? Yeah. Must be maybe longer. It's warm here, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, actually. Well, do you know what it is? I've, I've got a, the office, is, the, it gets very cold down here. Because although you're sat behind a radiator or in front of a radiator, it's behind you, it doesn't um, it doesn't work too effectively. So oh. I have to put this heater on, which I normally have, and it's normally like um, a, a little like a glowy thing you normally see here. The kebab machine. The kebab machine, but as you can see now, it's a fan heater. So when I put it on, it makes a lot of noise. So it'll pick up. So I'm afraid we have to be cold for a while to to get the correct quality of sound for the podcast, which is so important. It is third time back for the third time. I realise now a lot of the people on my podcast are regulars. It's like I'm building up this little gaggle of people I talk to on a regular basis. Mainly you and John. Because so, nobody else talks to you. You know what? I'm, I'm not, just kidding. I'm, I'm not that bothered about finding new people mm. yet. I've got a few people I want to talk to as the weather gets better. But as you read this morning anyway, they're having a little coaching session. I thought I'd take advantage of the situation. Yep. And talk about something which I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And I think it's just a, you're a good person to talk about because I think you can evidence a lot of this that we're going to talk about in your last 18 months on your own journey. We're talking about being yourself. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> You've gone on musical this morning, it's very good. Well, we've been talking about music before we started this podcast, so yeah, yes. I'm feeling that way out. Mm-hmm. I got into something last night. In fact, funnily enough, this is why we're talking about this. Netflix. You got Netflix? Yes. There's a um, series on there. It's not a series, actually. It's a documentary about Oasis. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, before we say anything else, we're on YouTube as well, so a little, little wave to YouTube. Morning, YouTube. Good morning, YouTube, or whatever, whatever time you're watching this. I also need to move here a bit. I'm just slightly out of frame. In fact, I'm going to have to move it. It's going to look bad on, on YouTube, but you're too Doesn't far matter. to the left. No, I can't be seen. Hang on. <gasps> what? I'm back. There we go. That's better. Is it? It was this. It was a. It was basically a documentary of the rise of Oasis. It was called Supersonic. Right now, I don't know. If you know Oasis? Yeah, I do know. Who do you know the Oasis song? Are. Oh, Supersonic. Yes, I think so. Do you know how it starts off? No. I wanna be myself. Ah, oh, okay. Be me and no one else. Yes, I know it. Yeah. I'm feeling supersonic. Give me gin and tonic. Don't Probably not give, give me, me gin, gin and tonic. tonic. That would be a, a bit. <laughs> neither you. You're not a drinker either. Are you? No. So it kind of just highlighted to me that that was the right story to talk about today. Being yourself, mm. because this this documentary I've not watched it all. I'm only about halfway through. Mm. Is phenomenal. I have never seen a couple of individuals that give such a little shit about what anybody else thinks what, about the them. Gallagher's? The Gallagher's. Really? <laughs> it's just, it's quite mental how they behaved. Wow. I mean, they're a rock band. I often think if I was, if I could have been anything in life that suited my kind of behaviour in the 80s and 90s, would it have been a rock star? It would have been a rock star. Right. Sort of, you know, getting drunk all the time and acting like a fool. Would have been right on spec with that. Not so great <laughs> if you're a car salesman. Which is why I lost a few jobs. <laughs> very, very. But I think that's been one of your challenges in the last 18 months since we've been working together and since I've known you, um, is learning to become yourself. Because that's that's something I'm I'm really aware of the more time I spend with you now, how that's starting to come out, hmm. this kind of um, side to you. There's lots of different sides to you, a lot of which I think over, over the years have probably been a little bit dampened down. Yeah. So. Conforming. Do you think you've done a lot of that? You have to conform to some extent don't you? With some aspects of your life, I think. Tell me more. (laughs) Well, if I told everybody what I thought, you know, always very direct with most people, some people would take offence. I think... So do you think, do you do that? Or you think if you did that? Yeah, in certain situations, I'm careful about how I speak to people. And... I'm I'm not always, you know, somebody, I, I saw somebody last week who was convinced that I walk around with a smile on my face all the time because that's, nobody wants to work with a grumpy bitch, do they? So you sort of make an effort to, when you go to work, you, you're just a 
the nicer version of yourself. Whereas at home, I can be I can be quite grumpy, moody, because it doesn't affect anybody. But I, I think we all have that side to ourselves. Mm. I mean, the last podcast I did was with John, and we yeah. talked about the rise of the content creator. Yes, we were basically sort of musing around how with the with the way now you can create content, especially video and audio. I mean, like making this podcast, going back 10 years would have been a hugely expensive operation. You, you mm. couldn't have really done it. Mm. And even if you could record it, where, you know, 15, 20 years ago, where would you have shared it? The, the, there was only ever radio stations mm. that, were, that were audio like this. And you maybe could record a cassette or a CD. Yeah. So with the rise of the content creator, we've, we've created this thing where people have a public image or a personal brand that they then put out to the outside world. And they can't be like that all the time. So people that are always generally happy, smiley, you know, which we tend to be with other people because we believe that's what people want. Hmm. But the reality is when you're with your friends, then you can be more yourself. Yeah, yeah. So we, we have these many, I call them masks, if you like. Yes. There, there, there are three that I think are significant. One is who you are, right? Second is who you want the world to think you mm. are. And then there's the third mask, which is who the world actually th sees you as. And the first two, we, we might think we're something to the outside world, but the outside world might not see us the same mm. way. So I'm quite, I'm, I'm quite miserable. Not miserable. I'm, I, I, you go melancholic. Melancholic. Mm. You know, I think that's, that's kind of reflected sometimes in the music I listen to, the, the, the time I like to spend in a bit of solitude sometimes. Mm. That's important to me. Mm. And although I think melancholic could be seen as a, a slightly um, negative things by some people. I don't think it is though. You're a bit melancholic, aren't you? Oh yeah. Oh god. And very, and very um, mild, mild and meek. Would you say you're mild and meek? That's like the person who says I'm smiling all the time. It's like you have no fucking idea. <laughs> so come on, tell us about when you're not mild I and think, meek. I think I'm quite yeah, but I get angry, got like everybody else, and I think I'm more in touch with my anger these days and. I feel safer about expressing it. Much safer. We've got this rage inside us, Gareth, you know, that has to be, has to have an okay, some well, form I've, of outlet. I've said this many times. It's one of my, I suppose, my metaphors, if you like. If you're old enough to remember Tom and Jerry. Yes. And there used to be that thing now and again where there'd be the cat Tom. He'd be kind of, he'd have the mouse in some compromising position you know, with it in his hand. And then he'd be about to eat it. And then there'd be two things appear, a devil and an angel on his shoulder. Mm. And the devil would be saying, eat the cat, eat mm. the mouse, mm. eat the mouse. And the angel would be saying, no, don't eat the, don't eat the little <laughs> mouse. And we have this plane in his mind. So we have that kind of two sides, the, the, the devil and the angel in us mm. all. Mm. And I think it's important, I say this, for our own sanity, that we allow those two things to dance. Yep. So you need that slightly hedonistic, um, devilish side in you. Yeah. To balance out the angel side. Yes. And I think it's the same with anger. Oh, you, yeah, you, yeah. Most people that I know that are very um, kind mm. and, and very considerate do have a side where they'll snip, snap occasionally. Mm. And it's not that that's wrong. It's just part of... It's the it's the flip side of the same coin. Mm. Mm. Come on, tell us what happens when you get angry. What do you do? Do you do really... I bet you do things like thump cushions and stuff, don't you? Well... I couldn't get my stuff into my bag this morning and I was just a little bit... Is this the bag you brought with you? No, it's one of the bags in my car. I couldn't say because <laughs> this is a carrier bag you brought from Boots. <laughs> no, but it was just, I packed everything so carefully and it wouldn't fit into the bag. And then I tried to stuff it in and it wouldn't go in. And so I just kind of got one bit of clothing and I went like that, slammed it down on the floor and I felt so much you better. You angry bitch. I know. Yeah, but... That's that's fine. Nobody saw me. Nobody got hurt. But if I hadn't have done that, this frustration would have still been there. We talk about this a lot when we're doing as uh, as coaching sessions about the power of energy, recognizing mm. the energy that's in mm. you at any one time, and being able to say, "Do you know what? Right now, the energy I'm experiencing needs to be expressed." I can feel it tingling here now. That can you? Just remembering it. Yeah. Just over a bag not getting packed. But it's more than just a bag not getting packed, no, what, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit... I'm, I'm playing with you a bit here. I know you are. What ends up happening is, if we're not careful, we allow anger to build up. Mm. 
and we don't express it when we're angry in the first place. So this this can happen. This is how this can happen. Let's assume somebody goes to work. They've got a job. Mm. And they go to work nine to five, Monday to Friday. And in that one of those days at work, they have a fallout with the boss. Mm. Now they know at that point, expressing that anger is probably not a good thing. So they hold mm. it in. Yep. They let the boss rattle on and they get angrier and angrier. Then they might get in the car to come home and they get caught in some traffic. They get even more angry and angry. And all the time it's building up. Mm. Then you walk into house and let's say a, a bloke's walked in. His missus is there and she's prepared his dinner or something. And she says something slightly innocuous like, you know, do you, do you just want to move your shoes upstairs? <gasps> Bang! That's yep. it, has gone off. Yep. And it wasn't, it's been, been festering. Because when you allow it to build up, that's what happens. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we have to be aware of, that we have to allow the energy to run through us. Mm -hmm. And being yourself, the reason I encourage people to be themselves is because for many years I I didn't be myself. Mm -hmm. I, I had to conform. And a lot of things that I used to do, I felt uncomfortable with because they didn't feel naturally and good to me. Mm -hmm. So for me, I spent... 15 well 10 years actually a little bit more if i had some more sales jobs i had but about 15 years in direct sales a job i hated <laughs> so 15 years i just did something that wasn't me mm. i couldn't mm. express myself i fell out of place and that's a that's a, a heavy weight to carry around mm. and i've noticed even when i set my business up that was more me but it still wasn't 100 percent me yeah and if you're not being yourself you, it's it's causing you to use other energy it's physically difficult Acting, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you when you are being yourself, there's no acting involved. There's no excessive use of it's energy. Easy. It's easy. Yeah. There's a flow. Flow. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that it's like this website, this podcast actually has been another strange journey for me because I do this podcast, which is my the Gareth Boot podcast. I also do with Sue on Better Twenty Four Seven, and I have done with John in the past as well on storytelling, which we haven't done any for a while on that. I've only done one. But finding the right balance of yourself is important because you kind of almost can be very mindful of what people listening are going to think. Yeah. So that's why sometimes I think, oh, should I swear? Because I don't swear a lot, but I do swear on a regular basis in my normal conversation with people. Mm. So you start to think, well, I'll tone that down. I won't say that. And then some of the subjects I talk about with people when I'm with them privately and one-to-one -one is different to what I talk about with a group of people. So again, I'm mindful of that on a podcast. Yep. So before you know it, you're not using the same language you'd normally use. You're not discussing the same subjects you'd normally discuss. And it's just an act. Mm -hmm. And I've tried really on all these podcasts to to be less, to, to put no acting into it, make it more casual. Yep. It's like you, you know, you're a harpist and... You know, I've seen you on your harping when you've I've seen you in, in the in the pit, whatever it's called. Where do you hang about? When you, where do you play? Yeah, in the pit. You were in the pit in when I've seen you the pit in the, the Grand Theatre in Leeds. Yeah. You know, and you sat there looking all serene with your sparkly frock on and ridiculously high heels, and they're all around you. I haven't got a sparkly frock. You have got a sparkly frock. You've got some sequins on it, some. I'm sure yeah. there's something sparkling. I'm but a I must jacket. have been bird next year. I don't anyway. Know anyway, but. <laughs> <laughs> when when I see you in that, you know, that's not a place to, for you to be. You're not being yourself there. You've been an element of it, but there is a lot of conformity because of the environment you're in. It's adopting a different... It's almost like becoming a different person, you know, the, the stage um, person, the performer. Do you know, it's funny because on this... Because people can probably see this on YouTube. People listen to what I'm talking about, but... Um, You've got these fingerless gloves, and all I could think about then were Fagin from Oliver. <laughs> in yeah, this life, one thing counts uh, in the bank, larger man's. I thought I'd make a really good Fagin. I've got the nose for it. I'm old enough now. Try what one of those on. Try, that's your right hand. They're special gloves. For... Let me have a. So, what do these do? Well, they protect my fingers. They're, they're stretchy. You can go for it. Um, and they've got copper in them. And they do help with, because I, I get a bit of Raynaud's from using my fingertips so much. So they stop them from getting painful. They're very good. Oh, very good. Highly recommended. And they're grippy. Grippy. Yeah, and I've had them for about two months. They haven't got holes in them. Grippy, no slippy. No getty-offy. <laughs> okay, there you go. You can have them back. <laughs> Thank you. You will have to tell me if it gets too cold. I can't put the heating on, but no, whether I want to. No, let's keep it. I'm okay for now. So being yourself. Yep. So if we go back to this bit about conforming, so let's let's have a bit of a conversation about that. When did you first recognise you had to conform from who you... Well, firstly, I suppose... School. When did you first start to realise 
who you were. What, what age does that happen? I th- I'll give you a, that's a bit of a daft question, really. Um, it's not. No, it is in a way. I need to give you a bit more kind of context around it. I probably recognised when I was in the latter part of infant school that some of the stuff that I had to do in infant school didn't sit comfortable with me. Mm. Like what? I, did, I felt out of place. I felt like a, an me outsider. Too. Too. Yeah. So for me, the big thing for me growing up is I had bright red hair in a school where not many people had bright red mm. hair. So I always had a bit of teasing about that. I used to have a ridiculous haircut. For some reason, my mother used to cut me hair in this page boy style. So, you know, I didn't look the most masculine of dudes. Mm. You know, with bright red hair, big nose, now quite skinny. And I was quite sensitive. Were you tall? No, I wasn't. I wasn't wasn't tall until about the sixth form at school. I went from being one of the shortest lads in the class at the start of, at the end of one year at school. I went back and I was one of the tallest. I grew a lot in about six weeks. Wow. I have stretch marks on my back because I grew that fast. I don't know why. Are you serious? Mm. You're not just pulling my leg? No, 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 no. no. I, I grew. I went from being really short to being one of the tallest in the <gasps> year over the course of about six or eight weeks. It At was, what age? Do you remember? I, did, I think I was, I was either 15 or 16. I, let's say between oh, 15 God. and 16. I can't yeah. exactly remember because my son has the same issue because George, he's, he was very tiny for a number of years. Mm. And even up to sort of... 12 months ago, he was quite a, a short lad. Mm. And he stood out as being short. Yeah. And in the last few months, he's grown. Really? So, like, now I see him. He's still not, you wouldn't say he's tall, but he's getting to a stage now where he's certainly average or above. Mm. And we were out yesterday watching a football match, and he was with, um, actually, I tell you what I watched yesterday, which was interesting. I saw Sue's grandson play football. Mm. Little Raph is only about, I think he's seven or eight. And to, to watch him, and I was stood next to his, his mum and dad, and... Rob and Pippa are not the tallest people, but you wouldn't call them short. Mm. They're just not very tall. And George was taller than Robert. So oh, interesting. And yeah. that wouldn't have been the case. So interestingly, at school, in the latter part of infant school, I started to recognise I didn't feel like I fitted in. And mm. I felt uncomfortable mm. because I was quite sensitive, I had quite um, a, a, a cushioned and, and cocooned existence. At home or yeah, in school? Yeah, at home. At home, mm-hmm. So I noticed that's when I first noticed. Probably I just felt different to other people. Mm. So what about you? When did you start? When yeah, did you... similar, similar. Especially even it was more extreme in high school, I think. Yeah, I I not like the others. I did feel I always gave the wrong, <laughs> what I thought were the wrong answers to right. questions in classes, and I just I, I realized now I just have. My brain thinks works differently from. Oh, you're a very complex people. brain, you, Ria. It is. It's a nightmare sometimes, but it's the brain I've got. And well, you 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 think in a different way. I, that, I suppose what, what when I think we stand out is it's very it becomes very. So um, what I'm looking for. It becomes almost you have to conform mm-hmm. because you feel you've got to fit in, but then mm. you think, well, fit in with who? Yeah. So tend, I tend, I found certainly from my schooling career, and it didn't change when I was in work, to be honest, when I, when I first started working. There's always a couple of people within a business or a school, let's say school because we're, we're talking about school, in a school that are quite extroverted characters. Yeah. And they seem to be very popular. Yeah. And if you're not extroverted or popular, you kind of almost aspire to be like them, them people. Yeah. So a lot, of the, a lot of the time when we are in the formative years, we tend to... Want to be part of that crowd? Did you? I, I tried my best, but I, you, you, you're trying to do it with how you act, how you behave, how you dress. Mm. So, for instance, I remember certainly not in junior school or primary school, but when I got into secondary school, quite early on in my primary school or my secondary school education, I started to smoke. Yeah. To be to be one of the cool kids. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really particularly enjoy it, but I learned to enjoy it because I thought it gave me an angle of being cool. Mm. And then a little bit later, but it went a lot later, I then started to drink. So by the time I got to the sixth form college, I stayed I stayed on at school, just went to yeah. the college at the school, the college sixth form, just a sixth form, I suppose. I'd gone from being quite a shy individual in the first four years. It was changing year five, mm. but year six, I was just... And a bit of an obnoxious twat, really. Were you? Mm. Because I'd learnt something. Yeah. I'd learnt that I could act in a certain way, and I would be, and I became popular. Yeah. 
I did feel like I fitted in because all those knobheads that we used to sort of be a bit teasy, they'd all left because they didn't go into the sixth form. They no. were they were they were working in brickyards somewhere. Yep, they'd yep. taken jobs. And also I discovered alcohol and that was a way of changing my entire personality. Confidence. So what I found is the 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 fact I could drink and make myself feel different. Mm. Wow, did I like that? Mm, mm. So I think this idea of it's strange how when we go to school with all these almost things we're meant to do, people expect expectations really mm. of how we should behave, how we should fit in. Mm. And I'm not sure that's right. And I don't mean that from a you perspective. I'm talking about from a school perspective. Yeah. I think it's changed a bit now, and having, I am a governor at school, so I can say this with a little bit of confidence. I think the schooling system has improved dramatically. Oh, but I yeah, still think there's open. huge areas for improvement. Really? Mm. Simply because we, we never, we, 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 we can't, we don't have the resource in schools to look at each individual and give them the, the education that they specifically need mm. that ties in with their learning style and their personality mm. and also their age. I mean, George is one of those, because he was born in August, he's actually one of the youngest in his year. Yeah. Because he was born just to the point where he's got to go into the year he's in, but most of the kids, some of them have been, you know, let's say he's, 16, he's 17 this time. Some of these mates have been 17 now for months. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That, that he shared a, a, a year And it matters at that age, doesn't it? It's a huge difference. Yeah. Mm. You look at a, somebody who's, look at a boy, and, and girls are the same, I'm sure, but look at a boy who's seven and somebody who's eight. There's a big difference in, in mm. development mentally as mm. well as physically. So you can get to a stage where you, you feel a little bit, you know, I'm I'm not just where I need to be with this. So how did so did you did you enjoy your time at school? No, not not always. And then I found people, especially in secondary school, that were more similar to me, a little bit more kind of less conformist. <laughs> That felt good. Do you think, I mean, you say about less conformist, what, was there a difference? Do you think it's creativity? Because you're creative, I'll give you that. And that's one thing that comes out. I mean, I've I've been out walking with you and stuff and you, you spend more time taking fucking photographs <laughs> than you do walking. walking. I look at you, you said sometimes, oh, that wasn't particularly fast, that walk. And I'm thinking, well, if you put the fucking camera down <laughs> and, and kept moving one foot in front of the other. Yeah, but that's part of the pleasure for me. That's part of why I You seem to walking. find things, you like me, pictures on your Strava of like, you know, half a tea cake or something. Or, <laughs> in, you know, a, a, a chewed golf do you know ball. What, do you know what I found at the end of the... my? I did a 12-mile walk the other day. Congrats. On Friday. Yeah. And at the end of it, we were walking, there was a, what do you call it, a verge. We were walking on the verge and there was so much litter on it. But we found a pregnancy test, a used pregnancy test. Were it positive? Did, I, neither of us dead. Oh, I would have wanted to know. <laughs> but the things, if you're going to take a pregnancy test, why don't you just shove it in a bin at, at the petrol well, station? Well, okay, 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 okay. The two Am I missing about a this. trick here? No, you're not, not missing a trick. I think, A, we're making the assumption it was thrown there. Yes. It could have been in a bag that somebody's put in a bin and the bin's, for some reason, got dragged apart by a dog that could that seemed to want to eat a pregnancy test. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I can, you can kind of imagine... Get, and I don't know... And as, as you've kind of got to wee on the pregnancy stick to get the answer, <laughs> I'm not sure you could do that comfortably in a car. Could you? I mean, I've got this image now. Some, some woman buggles. driving through Melton... <laughs> Weeing in a car onto a piece of plastic <laughs> to find out whether she's going to tell her boyfriend that he's going to be a dad, and all the fun and the fair that come with that. There you go. So there was the story there, wasn't there? But it, it does show you how you are very visual. You notice these things because mm-hmm. I tend to pick things up like that. Do you? Yeah, I notice things. I mean, I, I was part of my job yesterday. I went to see George play football. Yes. Um, and I did something a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> Well, weird by some people's standards, quite normal by mine. I think it's normal. All right, well, you know about it, but for the, for the, um, for the benefit of the people listening who don't know what I'm talking about, I'd done three miles running yesterday, which was good. I was happy with that. But then I got to football, I thought, I don't want to just stand here watching football. A, I have to say this, I'm not a big fan of watching football. I don't mind going to watch a proper team like Leeds United because mm. you can sit in a stand, in a chair, and at half time you get bothered or whatever it is you get. But when you're watching youngsters play football, it's still the same 90 minutes. But you've got no covers from the elements. Mm. You don't have any way to sit down. So you've got to stand up. I'm not standing for nine minutes. I thought, what would happen if I just walked around the pitch? Continually walk around the pitch for a 90 minutes. A, how crazy would I look? And I like that idea. Mm. Um, 
And secondly, how far could I go? <laughs> the answer is I got, and what I did find is I got one or two people looking at me to say, what are you doing? Mm. And I got five miles done. I walked five miles. Did your son go back home with you? Or yeah. did he take a bus separately? No, because he only plays bottom of his street. So I just got him, he got him, his cow, his muddy clothes on, you know, and, and, and had his normal, he likes to have chocolate milk. Make him sound Aww. like a two-year-old. Is he embarrassed of you? Nah, I think he's all right with me. Is he? Yeah. Because I used to be embarrassed of my parents. I'm a cool dad. Yeah, my, I'm the coolest dad I know. My parents were cool though too. Anyway, so I digress, but yeah. It's different with, I'm diff- different with boys and girls. With, with with George, I rack up to pick him up from school in a black Audi Quattro. With, yes, with, with, so it's you like know, having in a leather jacket John Travolta and a pair of, turn up, Well, I want to say that, but you know, I, I'll take John Travolta. Um, <laughs> not like he'll leave Gin- a new Ginger Tom John. Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but what I was trying to say with this is um, one of the jobs because I was walking around is the pitch is really badly designed and it's on it's on called the chick tip which is it used to be a tip that's been found out the chick tip well it's chickenly where he lives so they call it chick because that's what they always chickenly ch- yeah chickenly it's part of Jules but anyway that's not a nice name it's not the best of places to be honest okay um, you know, no offence to anybody from chicken who's listening it's just you know there are better places to live in that area but, you know, a lot of people live there and they call it Chick, short for Chicken mm. And it's a tip because it used to be a tip. So it's built on top. It's like a flat piece of ground. But on the edge of the football pitches, there's like this huge drop. And they didn't think about this when they were putting football nets up because unless you score a goal, mm. which sometimes doesn't happen, mm. and you kick the ball past, if the ball goes three or four foot past, the, the, it hits a dip and then it starts rolling. It rolls over the edge of this dip and it goes down a crevice. Oh, no. Crevice, crevice. Crevasse. I had this this walk in with the Sue this week and I call it a crevice. It's a crevice, crevice. What is it? Crave- anyway, oh, it went down a big deep hill. <laughs> so I had to go to the bottom to retrieve the ball on a couple of occasions and it fell into this pile of rubbish. You've never seen so much garbage in your life. Crisp packets. Pregnancy tests. Do we actually know pregnancy tests? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't think they um, have many pregnancy tests in, um, in Chicken. They have a lot of kids. So clearly, um, I don't know why they No, but I, I never looked. Next time I will look to see whether there are any pregnancy tests. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were one or two um, used um, condoms, I did notice. Sure. And little bits of kind of bad food cartons. But anyway, there were a lot of stuff there. So I noticed these things, mm. just like you, I'm very visual. So when you were at school and you didn't realise you sort of fitted in, um, how did you cope with that? That's what I'm interested in to know. How did you cope with not fitting in? Well, I tried to conform when I was 14 and 15. I tried to fit in with everybody else and wear the same kind of clothes. But then I kind of didn't work for me, you know. I didn't feel comfortable and then just started doing my own thing. Really. Well, you have a bit of a style, don't you? Yeah, that many people st- can carry off fingerless gloves. There are a lot of people, I guess that can carry off fingerless gloves, but I don't know. I'm, I suppose my dress sense is quirky and I don't really care what people think. You know, if I feel quite cheerful and comfortable, then I'll go with that. I think at some level, even if you say it doesn't matter, we all care what people think. And I think all we do as we get older, we, we learn bit. to... Yeah, bit. but we learn to, to accept that that's just how we might feel. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't think you should ever... I never discount when anybody tells me something. Well, I'll say that. I need to qualify that a bit. If, if it's somebody I trust gives me feedback, I will mm. listen to it. Mm. I've not got a lot of time for people I don't know giving me dumb shit advice about something they know nothing about. Because mm. um, it was funny yesterday while I was walking around this pitch, I didn't notice it at first, and I don't know why I didn't notice it, but there was this woman kept going past me. And um, she nodded a couple of times. And, oh, I nodded at her. and then after about... What must have been seventeen laps? I realised she's probably doing what I'm doing. The same thing, but so I says, I says to her, I says, but she was going one way and I was going other, so mm. we kept crossing mm. over, and you could see, you could see it turn into a bit of a race because at one point we crossed over just behind the goals, and then then the next time we went round, she crossed over and I realised she was getting quicker. <gasps> I thought she's quicker than me, so it turned into a little bit of a kind of walky race. Nice, nice. And I said to her, I said, are you doing some laps? She goes, yeah, but she mm. said something really funny. Because there were all these people watching. Some of them were rather large. There were some big people there. I'm not talking tall here. They've clearly, you know, eaten well. Mm. And she says, I said, are you doing some, are you doing miles and laps around here? She said, yeah, I'm getting my steps in. She had one of them watches that tells you how many steps you've done. 
And I says, well, I'm getting my miles in. She goes, and I said, how many you done? She'd done 6,000 steps. I says, well, then you. How many miles you done? I said, I've done about four at this point. And then she said, my mates over there can't understand why I walk around this mm. pitch at football matches. And I says to her, I said, well, that, my love, is why you're the size you are yeah. and they're the size they, they are. They are, yeah. You make your choices. And we had a bit mm. of a giggle and walked on. But it was... Are it you was... now stalking your own Strava? No, she's not on Strava. She's <laughs> she's not at that level. I think I think for her, it's not about running or walking. It's just about getting the miles in. And using the time well. Yeah, but but a few... Probably going back maybe a few years, I would have been concerned what the parents would think. But now I don't care. No, yeah. And at one point, it started to get really bad with the weather. And I, I didn't have the, the best clothing on for those conditions. I'd been a bit... Silly. I'd gone against all my advice, which is whenever you're walking, even if it looks like it's going to be sunny, be prepared. Oh, we'll <coughs> take a raincoat. And I didn't take a raincoat. Mm. But luckily, because I'm Mr. Mr. Prepared, um, I'd got um, a rain jacket and back at car. But a yeah, plastic it, it, kagouli. It's not a plastic kagouli. It was, it was actually a jacket used to fit me when I was a bit fatter. Oh, very good. But now it looks ridiculous. Always even, have a backup. I had... What I've got on now, pretty much, mm. this, this kind of look, I had this on, and then I had a, a puffer jacket, a rab puffer jacket, which mm. is thick, mm. and I put this jacket on, and it still was big on me. Oh, so it gave me an indication of how much timber I were carrying five kudos years ago. Kudos to you. Kudos to me. I like the kudos. Mm-hmm. So, as we get older, I think we get less bothered about what people think, mm. and rightly so. And it's the one thing I try to encourage my kids to do, is to be themselves. Because in the words of Oasis, you know, got to be yourself. Everybody else is taking. Who said that quote? I can't remember. Picasso. Shall we find out? I'm going to find out. It's Picasso, I'm sure it's Picasso. No, it's not. It's Andy Warhol or something like that. Maybe. You know, you got both them wrong. Did I? Um, be, uh, people won't see this if they're not on YouTube. But just, I'm just using Google to find out. Um, everyone else is taken. Who said that? Oscar Wilde. Oh, close. With Andy Warhol, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, fucking miles away with <laughs> Picasso. Somebody creative. Oscar Wilde. It's mm, a good one. It's easy to dispense advice to people when you get to that stage like Oscar Wilde and all that because once you've got a voice and once you've got an, um, a, a, you're known, people listen to you. Yeah. Even if what yeah. you're saying is a bit daft. Yeah. I mean, there's um, there's something that's on... It's a, It's a bit of a meme that goes on to Facebook occasionally. And it says, um, it's basically, this, the quote says, do not believe every, not every quote you see on Facebook is correct. Mm. And there's a picture of um, Abraham Lincoln. And underneath it says Abraham Lincoln. As though he said it. <laughs> you know, which is funny. <laughs> you know, I just think to myself, you know. Because we, we do have this thing where if it comes on a, on a TV channel, or if it comes in some form of uh, social media, we can tend to believe it. I know. Especially I know. with how we should behave and how we should be. So we've actually got this thing. Imagine this as a child now. Well, not imagine, you've been through it. You're growing up and you're trying to find yourself. Mm. And you've all this stuff. In the in the 80s when we grew up, they want the same bombardment of this is how you've got to look, this is how you've got to act, this is what you've got to say, this is what you've got to wear. And now kids have got it all the time. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's become increasingly difficult for people to be themselves and... It's very hard, isn't it, when you just see it all the time. Kids are just bombarded with, you have to look like this and this, is, Well, you have to buy this. And... Well, when I first met you, I remember at that time you were uh, you were just um, an artist with orchestral work. Yeah. You just did orchestral work. And it became really clear to me very early on in the relationship we had is that you were not suited to that environment. It was stressful for you. You were good at playing. But there was an element, every time you went to do it, you got wound up, there was oh, some stress. Yeah. Mm. Because in that environment, you couldn't be yourself. You had to conform, which you don't like to do. Mm. You have to listen to people and be told, which you don't like being told sometimes. And I think it was interesting for me how I've watched your journey with your music. Now, in the last sort of 12 months, you become more about what, what music's important to you, mm. where you like to play that music and who you like to play that for. Yep. So realistically, where you were probably 18 months ago, only seen in my eyes as a as a harpist that did orchestral work. You seem to have got a lot more into doing your weddings now and little events. Yeah. yeah. And they seem to sit well with you because you can be more yourself. I'm just experimenting with new things, that's all. And things I didn't dare do before because the orchestral playing was quite safe in a way. 
Well, it's safe in the fact that it gave you an income. And it's funny, this is why I think most people are not themselves. Because there comes a point where they have to be something else to earn a living. Mm. Mm. And they'll say, I'll just do this for so long, and then I can go off and be myself again. And in some cases, they never go back. Yeah, yeah. So for me, being yourself is something, if you can get this into you, if you listen to this podcast and you've got children, if you can get your kids to be themselves, what does that look like? You know, what, do, what, I've got three children. Mm, mm. And although, well, two of them are to, to, to one woman and the one of me, and my son is to another lady, um, although they both share the DNA of being my child, children, mm. you know, and two of them have the same mum and the same dad, and one has the same dad, that's obviously George, they're all very different. And, it, and, a, and a lot different as well. Mm, mm. So like George, Ellen and Emily, they all have different kind of foibles, different ways of, of being. And I do look at them all and I think my youngest, Emily, is the one that's probably the easiest at being herself. Yeah. Mm. She's very comfortable with, she doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks, quite frankly. Really? Isn't that that's, great? I think it's powerful. At what age? She's 16 next. But she's been like that all her life. That's great. Mm. She always liked what she liked. She was always a little bit young for her age, as in she wasn't kind of, um, she didn't have a lot off. I think that's what they were saying. You know, you've got a lot off for your age. And uh, Where Helen and George were both a little bit more advanced yep. in some things. And Helen is, she's very good. I mean, she's really good when I see her with people now. She's very good with people. Mm. So I recognise that because I used to be very good, even though I was a bit nervous and shy at times. I was always good at communicating. She's mm. got that. And and George has got way more confidence than I ever had at his age. Oh, In fact, you? he's probably got more confidence at his age now than I have, even now. <laughs> so you left, you were at school, conformed. Did it feel like a relief to you to leave school? Yes, definitely. Definitely, because it was going more towards what I wanted to do. I went to music college. So was that music college because you wanted to? Was that your thing or was that something that you were kind of, were you told you should no, do? No, it was me. It was my decision. Plus, you know, it was the only thing I was really good at at school it was my subject I got an A in music everything it was something I found easy so yeah it's quite obvious I wasn't going to be an accountant will never be an accountant I can't add up to save my life I'm not mathematically brained at all I know that and so you know you work with what you've got let me tell you something what I used to employ an accountant did you it was it wasn't I had an accountant and I applied somebody to come in and do the accountancy work in the business. Um, and he used to use a calculator for everything. And I could work out in my head quicker than he could work out in a calculator. <laughs> so don't ever be um, seduced into that concept of thinking that accountants are good with maths. They're good with a calculator. Yeah, okay. Mm. But no, they're, they're, again, but an accountant's a special breed. You've got to like numbers, aren't you, really? I think so. Yes, numbers and facts and stuff. I think if you look at yourself and what you always have these characteristics, I've always been quite nosy. And I mean that by I've always wondered why Why does that do that? Yeah. Why when that happens does this happen? How things work. I've been very inquisitive, mm -hmm. which, which is why I really like human behaviour because I love to see why people do what they do. Mm. And I think when you have that side yourself, being yourself, that's, I'm more of that these days. I do more of that in my work. Yeah. And I feel comfortable. Yep. Even in the business, I don't think I particularly would be myself in business all the time. Because I had to conform with certain things in there. But sometimes you do, but just you have <clears> to choose when and how. I think that's a, that's a very freeing place to be when you have a choice, isn't it? You conform because sometimes I know that I have this, I'm quite harsh when it comes to things being right. Yep. And, and I found that sometimes voicing that to the people I worked with didn't always go down well. No, I'm sure. It upset them. They it couldn't see what I was saying. I wasn't it, saying it? well, yeah, but I, I did have the ability at times to be quite aggressive. Yeah. I, people didn't like to say the word no to me very often. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud of that fact, but that's who I am and that's what I am. I'm very... Well, you had to run a business, didn't you? Well, so. people, people use that excuse and they shouldn't, saying, well, I'm, I'm, it's all about business. It's just business, nothing personal. Everything's fucking personal, let me tell you. <laughs> of course it is. Um, so, um, <laughs> you know, anybody throws that at you, you know, that's just some excuse for behaving like a tit. Mm. I think when I when I really started to find myself properly, but in mind I'm fifty this year. It probably wasn't until I was in my mid forties. Yep. Because at that point, then I'd, I'd and I'll tell you what did it. Social media. I used to spend hours, hours back mm. in the early sort of two thousand and and then the two when, when Twitter and, and and that came out and Facebook and all that. I used to spend hours on there putting stuff on, 
And I used to be so bothered if I didn't get the likes or people, you know, giving me the thumbs up on Facebook. Really? And then after a while I thought, what are you doing this for? Mm, mm. And, I, and I, I literally, it must have happened. It's one of those things, I don't know when it happened, but it has happened where I thought, I don't give a shit who likes mm, it or not. Mm. And it's when you stop caring about other people's opinions and just being yourself, it's a massively freeing mm. place. Do you know, my loathing for Facebook is increasing. I mean, I just, I can't stand it. As soon as I look at it, I just kind of go, oh, but I sort of feel that I have to do it. Why do I have to do it? I'm more likely to get, it's better for my business to go right, out and meet okay. people than well put pictures up. My pictures are dreadful anyway, so I don't know why. I'm... Right, firstly, your pictures are not dreadful. They're, um, not great, they're interesting, they, they are funny. What I think the problem is now is most people get hooked in this into this thinking that unless, if, if you're a business and you are a service provider with mm. your harp mm. unless you are on um, Facebook or you are on Instagram or you're on Twitter, if, unless you are putting content on, you're not going to do any work. This is the reality, right? I run a business that turned over multiple millions of pounds mm. a year. And I have to say, and I don't say this to be cocky, but it's true, I earn a shitload of money out of that business. Yeah. Without a Twitter account, there Instagram account, there or even go. a fucking website. Exactly. So all these people saying, well, it's changed. No, what's, what hasn't changed is this. If you can find something you're good at, yeah. and you do it well, yeah. and you tell people about it, people will use your services. Yeah. Now, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff is just another way of telling people. Yeah, but is it an effective way of telling people? It depends whether know, you are going to tell your story or way. So what I would say mm. is if you are on, and I think me and John touched on this last week, yes. you've got to be yourself. So what I am now is my 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 Facebook page, which I very rarely use, mm. as in my personal mm. page, because I don't think everybody's interested in what I had for lunch yesterday. And after a while, people do get fed up of seeing me running up a hill. <laughs> my Instagram's different. My Instagram's full of me. That's more of a of a record for me this year. I, I want to see how many days I can post a picture of me exercising. Yeah. And at the moment, it's a lot, as you know. Yeah. I'm I'm a bit nicer. I find Instagram more easily digestible. Well, it's because of, I think on Facebook especially, we there is a lot of <coughs> there's a lot of bullshit on there. I know people <laughs> posting stuff that's just not true, mm, mm. and I don't want to say to them it's not true because there is that thing that people say fake it till you make it. I think the bit of advice I would give to anybody, if you want to have a life that's going to feel comfortable to you. Mm. And the life when you are the best at what it is that you do, you have to be yourself. Mm, mm. So in many cases, I see it a lot in, I see it especially with business people. Most of the people that are in business, they're in there because they, they really do genuinely want to succeed. Yeah. I really want to succeed at that. Yeah. Then they set themselves these targets like I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire, a squillionaire or whatever. And in for most People, that's just unrealistic. Mm. So they have, firstly, they have unrealistic expectations about how good they think they can be. Yeah. And the business models they have don't allow them to get to that point. The other thing as well is, I think there are some people that are very good at doing something, they go into business when they should have got a job. And that's the biggest problem I have at the moment mm. with social media. Mm. I think we are selling people a dream which may not respond to them or apply to them. And then people say, you can't say that, you know, you don't know what's in their mind. No, what I do know is evidence of. Mm, mm. If you want to, you know, I mean, I, I do this podcast very, not as, as regularly with the Gareth Boot stuff as I do with Better 24-7. We said we each week on Better 24-7, we would do one podcast, which we do. Yes. We talk about a subject. I do these as and when I get a guest or it feels right. But I am not spending the time on social media to try to find new clients because that's where I'm going to find them. I'm going to find it's them not, by actually meeting people. Mm, mm. And it's slow burn. Mm. So people sell this idea, and it happens with anything, especially dieting or fitness. Mm. People try to sell you a quick way to get to what you want. Yeah. So if you use this person's services, if you buy this product, if you follow this course, you will become a Amazon millionaire overnight in 12 weeks, 12 weeks to a six-pack. Mm. Three weeks to a beach body. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to make things quicker that actually historically have not been quicker. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true, isn't it? And and then what they do is they have to conform. Mm. I listened mm. to a podcast the other day and it did, it did get me thinking because they, they'd used instead of using the word shit, they'd put bleep in. You know something something bleep, and I mm. thought okay. 
And then they said, you know, the, and then this person on it said, you know, this is a bit, this one is about so and so. Oh, so I can't swear on here. Who said you can't swear on here? Mm. It's your space, your podcast. Be yourself. I know some people might be offended by some of the language I use. Yeah. But the reality is, what I found to be true, the people that are offended by the language I use would not be the kind of person I want to work with anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not. I don't swear to, for the sake of it. I don't swear ridiculous amounts. I know. And I'm very harsh. And if people don't like that, they're not going to like the way I do business. Exactly. They won't want to hear me speak. Mm. They won't want to have me discuss. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and pat people on the head and mollycoddle them just for the sake of trying to win a bit of business. Mm. Mm. And you know, I'm I'm quite. What's the word I'm looking for? Straight to the point, direct. Yeah. That's me. Way. That's me. That's who I actually am. Mm. And I'm not. I'm not willing anymore to to calm that down, either on a podcast, on a post, or when I'm working with people yeah. or talking to people. Yeah. So with your harping, yes. since you went more into being yourself, have you seen an upsurge in how you play? Do you feel you're playing differently? Oh, that's a on-the-spot question. How do I answer that quickly? Um, I feel more secure in, what, in my offering, what I've got to offer like people, that. and that my portfolio is more broad, that it's not just, I'm not just an orchestral player. Or a wedding musician. Because recently, you know that I did um, a solo sort of spot in a concert. And I quite, I didn't enjoy my playing as much because I thought it was a bit ropey and it was a bit insecure because I'd been unwell. But then what I thought was had improved massively was my public speaking. And that was interesting to me because that's about finding my own voice. And putting it out there to the public. Because you can. You know, when you're on stage, it is this persona, this on stage, Rhian Evans harpist. But I don't know. I just, it felt like I was being very authentic and off the cuff and it worked. Mm. And it didn't kind of fall flat. So, no, I was pleased with the confidence side of things. Well, you use the word there, authentic. And I think authentic is that being yourself. Mm. You've been the authentic version mm. of you. I mean, you've got to remember in the last 12 months, you've done some big gigs. I mean, yep. he played with Louis Capaldi, for goodness sake. Yes. No, not by himself. There were other people around. Yes. But you were part of an orchestra supporting Louis Capaldi. Mm. It's, a, it's a, mm-hmm. an event with 15,000 people. 12,000 people. Well, it's still a lot of people. It's still a lot of people. <laughs> and, and the thing with that is, it's like, I don't think you would have done that as comfortably or even considered it two years ago. No, I'd have been worried about the cameras and, you know, who's watching. And your hands were on telly? Yeah, yeah, big You should have washed your nails. <laughs> <laughs> what a disgrace, Rian. First thing I know, it's like, oh, she's not washed them nails. There's she's always just... one who spots them. Yeah, well, I've got good eyes. <laughs> no, but you, you, you played really well. It sounded great. And what an experience. And actually great for something to say. And that's something, again, sometimes we can be, we can be very poor at pushing ourselves forward. Mm. It's like I think playing with Louis Capaldi is a big deal. I mean, I think at the time, I to, you didn't really know who Louis Capaldi was. I didn't. Capaldi I had was. no idea who he was. I don't Which, listen to pop music. Yeah, but you need to. I need to. <laughs> I, need, I need to be down with the music, me. I need to know what's up and coming. I know you do. Mm. This is back to, to my what I love to do, and what's natural me is to understand human behaviour. Yeah. I like, I like to know what the, the youth of today are into. They're listening to mainly because yeah. my kids are the youth of today, mm. and I like to understand when they're saying something, whether they're actually saying something nice or nasty to me. You know, <laughs> it's like when they say, "Oh, dad, that's sick." What's sick? I was like, who's Paul? Who's ill? Yeah. Like, no, no, it's sick. What does sick mean? Well, it means it's good. It means like bad. <laughs> and we, we have all these things over the years. It's sick. It's good. It's bad. So I, I do like to watch the music and keep my eye on, on what, what's what you know what's what's going on. Mm. But that was a big deal playing with Louis Capaldi. Mm. And I think when I've seen what you've done the last couple of weeks by starting to have that, um, you did that little, like you mentioned there, you were talking. You did an event where you were supporting a a singer as well. All this stuff. It's be since you've, in my view, since you've become more comfortable with who you are and expressing that in the way that you feel comfortable expressing it. Yeah, I think so. Mm. And then that doesn't, it's not as difficult. You don't have to put anything on. You don't have to act anything. And that's why when you're a speaker, if you are telling your story, you know your story. Mm. So part of when I talk, my story is about how I overcame alcohol addiction and now I made some discoveries which, which were significant to me. Yeah. Significant enough to think I believe they've got value to other people by understanding if you could see this that I saw, it might help you with some stuff. Yep. But I'm only telling my story that I know 
So when people say, oh, it's difficult to public speak, you're just telling a story. And everyone says, oh, I can't speak in public. You speak in public anyway. Yeah. Sometimes mm. you're just not to an audience, but how many times do you sit talking with your friends? That's talking. That's public speaking. It's speaking in a public environment with mm. more than just one person. And some days there's more flow and sometimes there's less. So, yeah. But flow is, that's how a conversation goes. Mm. I've done it before. These podcasts are interesting. Now, sometimes you can be on here and you think, oh, that's been like, you know, I've been at least 45 minutes an hour and it's been like 10 minutes because it feels like it can yeah. drag sometimes. Yep. Not on this new series I've put on, but some of the ones I've done in the past I found very difficult to mm. do because they were by myself. Mm. And I realised the way that I perform best is, if is, is, in, is, is else, talking to somebody it? else. Mm. We've been at this 50 minutes now. 50? You told right, me 50. Right, we need to stop. I need to go. You need to go. I've got I work. I know, I, I've kind of, I know you've got work. I just ignored it. And um, that bit. Anyway, you've enjoyed yourself. I totally. I could keep going. Like We can't. Now. So let's just sum this up now. So I, my advice, let's think about this. If be we're yourself. Some, yeah, but what? So being yourself, when you, let's see if we can give two bits of advice <gasps> you would give anybody now who's struggling with being themselves. What would you, how do you start being yourself based on your experience of becoming more yourself in the last two years? What are the two things that you think would have the biggest impact on you being yourself from the experience of Rihanna Evans? Your eyes have blazed over. Yeah, no, that's a too broad a question. Um... All right, what two bits of shit have you done in the last 12 months that have made the biggest difference to your life? Is that a better question? Yeah, getting a non-music-related part-time job. Perfect. And... Giving less of a shit what people think. Lovely. There you go. One that hard after all, wasn't it? It was quite difficult. My tip would be cool. this. Find out who you are based on, is it what you, are you being who you are or is it still some elements of what you think people want to say? Be yourself completely. Mm. And if you don't want to make that public, so let's say you have a business or you do something online, before you do it, try it first. I tried these podcasts by myself without putting them up, recording them, to see what it felt like mm. to be a little bit more kind of if you're like on it, on, in your face. So I would say practice being who you are. Does it feel comfortable? If it doesn't feel comfortable being what you think you are, are you're not being you. Yeah. Because it should feel effortless to be yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would have to recognise what you say there. Just don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Because what you'll find is, although being yourself might cause some people, there won't be your close friends, by the way, but some acquaintances or contacts to think, uh, mm. not for me. You'll, you'll gain get... the ones that are for you. Yeah, you'll exactly. gain. So I've now got probably less people that I know yeah. than I did five or six years ago when I was in business. But the ones I've got in my life now are real diamonds. Yeah. Right. You better get you to work. Or you, time I said we better get to you. It's like I'm giving you a lift. You know, it's about time I kicked you out into your car <laughs> and go to work. Right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, uh, give us some five star reviews on that, um, whatever it is. What's it called? iTunes. TripAdvisor. <laughs> I'm not a restaurant. I think you meant iTunes. Five star review on iTunes. The Any Boo questions? Studio. The Boo Studio. Yeah, if you set up as a restaurant, you could come maybe podcast and I'll give you a burger. Oh, I like Plant-based, of course. <laughs> right. Thank you for listening. If you've any questions at all about being yourself, I'm happy to answer them. Drop them on a message to me to garethboot.com. There's a contact me page there. And thank you, Rianne, for your time again. RianneEvansHarpers.com. com. if you want any harpist needs or weddings. Funerals or bar mitzvahs? Concerts, events. Have you ever done a bar mitzvah? Yes. Have you? Excellent. So any any musical requirements, <laughs> Rianne's your lady, if you want somebody with a harp there. Thank you, Rianne, for your time. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Yeah, until the next podcast. Take care. Bye.